You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, it is time. It is our first preview podcast. We have a game to talk about pretty pumped about yeah it's exciting man this is like uh all this build up all this speculation we're gonna have a lot of questions questions answered here very soon right and that's the thing is like week one you definitely do get some answers it's not the kind of thing where you're gonna know everything about a team and and of course this is a team that we expect their uh performance to fluctuate over the course of the year based off any number of factors but we do get the first semblance of an answer so of course to put that answer into context we need to figure out who we're playing Where did you start? You know, we talked on the pod on Monday about uh, Jacksonville and some of the challenges that that week one presents against anyone specific to Jacksonville with new coordinator, uh, new coordinators, new head coach, et cetera. So when you started watching Jacksonville, where did you start your study? Yeah, I started my study with the third preseason game because they played in the Hall of Fame game. So it was uh, Pittsburgh versus Jacksonville. And I kind of went from there. Any game that there were starters playing in, I wanted to take a look at what they were doing just to get a feel for for who they were, you know, I get to see Caldwell's defense and how it kind of mimics what they were doing in Tampa Bay when he was there, you know, early first down tendencies is to be in that kind of big 34 front with those big run stuffers, those big ends and kind of dare you to run the football because they said they think they've got some really good run stoppers there. The personnel inside is uh, kind of carbon copies of each other, big physical kind of mauling you know, nose technique type guys with enough athleticism to make you scared and can play the run really well. They kind of remind me like Stacy McGee type body types for those guys who remember from back in the day. Yeah. Stacy McGee. Let's yeah. Go. You know, like kind of looking like refrigerators out there, but they move like <laughs> uh, they move like a bunch of dancing bears. So that's going to be interesting because there's not a lot of big names in that group, but um, some of them have very high PFF grades in terms of how they play against the run. So even though you don't have your Vita Vea there, We've got a lot of people there that um, can make some plays. So obviously then the edges of that front become very interesting because Trayvon Walker and then Josh Allen, number 41, not the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who were both high picks. Allen was, I think, the 16th pick overall. And obviously Trayvon Walker was the first, first pick last year. Trayvon Walker is, I mean, one of the most unique athletes that I've ever evaluated, you know, in my 15 years of doing film and college evaluation. Like he's just a big, long athletic kind of mean son of a gun who is about as raw as you can possibly get, but has some tremendous upside. Like it's crazy to watch him like drop into coverage and his feet, like he moves like a safety or a linebacker, like, and he's 275 pounds, you know, and that's just like such a unique body type. And then a guy who can just like run you over playing defensive end. He's raw as a pass rusher, but he, his one trick is the long arm and a bull. And it's not a bad trick because he's a big, strong guy. Uh, Allen on the other side has a lot more pass rushing juice 
for lack of a better term, like a little more bend, a little bit more nuance, and um, but a good, big, strong, good football player. So, and then you get to the second level of their defense, and you're like, man, like they are young and like kind of crazy athletic there too. Like you say, they've got Foyola Kuhn, who was like the highest paid free agent linebacker this last offseason. I think he's like a $50 million guy. I played with him in Atlanta, converted cornerback, moving to linebacker. Physical. Oh, you don't see that very often. Yeah, he went to Yale. You know, smart guy, kind of probably miscast <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, excellent nose for the football and kind of is the modern iteration. Like he wears fifty four. He reminds me of Levante David a ton from Tampa Bay. Um, and I'm making all these Tampa Bay connections because that's the dad of this defense, right? That's the tree that it's from. And so he he is excellent in coverage. He's excellent against the run. I think he led the NFL in tackles last year, like 195 or some ridiculous number like that. And then they've got the two kids from the, that they drafted. They got Chad Muma out of Wyoming, and they got Devin Lloyd. And Devin Lloyd was my favorite defensive player in the draft this year. I think he's coming off an injury. I don't know if he'll play or not, but I loved his college tape. I love Muma's college tape. So, again, that second level of that defense is, again, very young, very talented, and kind of, again, like when you look at that front, you say, wow, that's like that's a pretty vaunted athletic group right there. Uh, by by most NFL standards, and completely different than was was there last year for the most part outside of Allen. So, I, I think like that's one of the things that gives me pause about this defense is they are very talented. And I think the thing that stood out to me most dramatically is with regards to the front is they have great depth. They have great pass rushing depth. So they've got like two or three guys in the depth chart that are former second and third round picks with high pass rushing upside. They bring all those guys in the field. Trayvon Walker bumps inside the three technique. Allen plays edge. They get um, a guy, I think his name's like K- something with a K, number 9049. And basically they all can win one-on-one yeah, matchups. Key. Yeah, Yeah. Key's it was in a there. pretty high pick himself a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, or for, pretty, I would for, say, uh, not. it wasn't a high pick, but like he was a, a stud at LSU. Like he, he was a guy that mattered on a really good defense a couple of years ago. Absolutely, man. And I think the... Um, I think the interesting thing about him is like he's more of an end, but he rushes well as a as an interior pass rusher and is able to create some pressure. You know what I mean? So like having four dudes who can come in off the bench and then um, make some plays, I think is interesting. They also have another kid from LSU, um, Casanova or some weird name like that, um, forty seven maybe. But yeah, all four of those guys are very good pass rushers, and they were able to create a ton of pressure against Pittsburgh with just those four guys coming in off the bench. So. I don't know how good the back end is. It's really hard to evaluate in preseason, but that front man has got some ability and they're they're very exciting to watch. And I, I think it's going to be an interesting challenge if Scott Turner wants to kind of lean into this run first, run second approach to insulate Carson Wentz. Cause I think that'd be a mistake based on the front that they play, the personnel they've got. I think you want to spread them out, throw the football down the field a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we talked on about this a little bit on Monday's pod or Tuesday's pod this week. Um and it, it like I don't know. It, it is an interesting thing that you know. In my mind, they want to be a let's spread the ball around kind of team. Because I'm just like thinking about the personnel and where they've invested. They've invested in quarterback. They've invested uh, in wide receiver, both monetarily and draft capital. And then you're like, well, I don't know. Is that who they want to be? Do they want to bang it up inside and and run the ball? And like their idea of protecting Carson is not kind of this you know sharp football. Uh, you know, as in Warren Sharp, uh, method of let's get easy passing completions on first and second down, but it's it's a more traditional like we need to run the ball on first and second down and limit his opportunities, and then it's like, well, that actually just makes life hard on third down because inevitably you're going to get to third down a lot. And 
I I really hope that they have been playing coy and especially yeah. with Brian Robinson out because if you're going to be an in-between-the-tackles, run-the-football kind of team, uh, you don't have that back really anymore unless Jonathan Williams is that guy. But like Gibson, that's not really his thing. He's going to try to bounce things more than they should. And also, you enter that trust factor of him in traffic with the ball and you're then wasting. I mean, Logan Thomas is practicing today. Bates is back. Um, you know, we talked about all the tight end depth. You've obviously got Gibson as a space player, as a, as a pass catcher. McKissick is a space player, as a pass catcher. And then, and then you get to the wide receivers of McLaurin, Dots, right. and Samuel. And it just, it just seems like if they're going to be a team that tries to run it, especially against this defense, doesn't make a lot of sense at all on like any account. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, you definitely, this is not like an anti running the football podcast. I am pro running the football. Like, I'm an Dang. offensive line coach in independent high school. Like, I want to run the football. I think it's an important part of the game, right? But I do think you need to be smart with when you do it. You need to find ways to get them in situations that are advantageous to you. I hate people. I hate watching games. I hate watching other teams like around the NFL who are just, they call their runs and they just kind of mash their head against the wall. That's one thing I'll always respect about Kyle, Sean, all those guys. They know how to dictate via personnel to get the guys in advantageous running looks. In the same way you want to get in good coverage philosophy, in good route concept, like they do that in the run game. Oh, let's get into 11. Let's let's have McKissick in the game. Let's see if they'll match a nickel, four down linemen, two linebackers. The numbers there, the angles are better for us here. So we can pound the ball out of 11. We don't need to be in two tight ends and they bring in those you know, 320 pound mammoths and just clog up the middle. We don't need to do that. So I want to see like, yes, you should run the football, but how are we running the football? And can we get them to match us in a personnel that fits what we do really well and fits our personnel? We've talked about McKissick, right? A ton this offseason. He's a great runner, right? Let's maybe use him. Let's spread it out. Let's get into 10 personnel. He's the one back. That's easy counts for offensive linemen, and he can make four yards in that if they if they match you, right? So I think that's one of the things you mentioned, one of the struggles about playing the first game of the year is you don't really know how they're going to match, right? In the preseason this year, uh, Tampa Bay kept their big personnel in on first and second down. They were like, well, screw it. That's what we're going to do. Jacksonville, you and, mean. Jacksonville, sorry. Tampa. And Bay. I'm guessing Here that's also probably what Tampa Bay used to do, though. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, it's, that's it's, why it's, that's top of mind, not just because they're in Florida. Well, and also you watch a lot of, you know, you watch a lot of Tampa film getting ready for this game. Right. So it's kind of like right. who are they playing? But th I think that's 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 an important thing to note. So let's take advantage of them bringing less coverage players onto the field and throw the football. You know what I mean? Because you're 320 pounds. You're built to stop the run. You're not built to cover the pass or rush the passer. Right. Like, let's yeah. let's take advantage of that a little bit. Let's get them out of that. I remember this is a story again. Story time with Logan. Kyle Shanahan, when we were playing Vince Wilfork uh, in New England Patriots in 2011, intentionally went from 21 to 11 every single play in the first 25 just to get Vince Wilfork to run from the sideline back to the field so that by like the third play in the game, he was on the oxygen tank on the sideline. Like that that's kind of how you incredible story. That's how you need to think about this. You need to play chess, not checkers. And I think that that's something that um, I'd like to see. And I'm excited to see because um, like you, 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 like, again, you don't know for sure what they're going to do, but I want to see uh, this staff, this offense dictate a little bit more to that defense, especially with a bunch of young linebackers. Like they're good. They're talented, but they haven't played NFL football. Let's, let's make them see a lot and uh, see if we can get them confused, you know?
so this is something I've thought about in terms of a uh, potential uh, personnel grouping and, and, you know, threat that they can play is like, I expect to see two backs on the field a lot this year. Like I would expect to see Gibson and McKissick together, especially those two on the field quite a bit because you can dictate big personnel and then split those two guys. I mean, they used to do this with, um, Jay used to do this with like Jordan and, and Chris Thompson or like, yeah. you know, Chris Thompson and, and, and another back, like they would, they'd have them out on the field together and then just split one of them out wide or both of them right. out wide. Like there's no reason that you can't come out in 21 or, you know, whatever, you know, even 20 personnel, two backs, no tight ends, two backs, one tight end, and then line up five wide. Like yeah. there is no reason that you can't do that given the personnel that you have. And that seems to be, or, you know, the other thing that you have with Curtis Samuel is like, you can go no, no backs on the field and then right. run the football. Um, so you can really get some of their big guys. Like if you want to run it and, and are having trouble getting their, their big guys off the field, take everybody out and then line Curtis Samuel up in the backfield and go yeah. like, there's, there's a lot of opportunities with this personnel and not that you want to, and, and like, I guess this is the challenge, right? You don't want to get away from who you are. And right. I think Ron, especially as a head coach in terms of the tone he sets, but it feels like Scott as well as an OC are, are coaches that very much have a philosophy that we want to t do what we do and we're going to dictate that way. And I just think that's not always like that works when you're, you have superior talent and offensively they have really good talent. So maybe that works on, on a lot of weekends, but I look at, you know, like what has made Belichick so great defensively over the years is he, he always is just like, we're going to be good at everything. That way we'll figure out what the other team is bad at and then we'll do it. And then we're going to be good at the thing that they're bad at. And I think with the versatility that the commanders have offensively, they should be able to do that to any defense. Yeah, no, I th and I think even, even to, your, to, to kind of elaborate on that point, like 20 personnel, 10 personnel, you're probably not going to get a, the match you want but like even with the personnel like with logan thomas in and bates and then you could go gibson and mckissick you that's 22 personnel like you could for sure dictate a big response and then you could have logan thomas in the slot mckissick in the slot and then sure. you'd feel really good about that in a one-on-one -on -one situation against a guy a linebacker a young linebacker probably uh devin lloyd and i like that matchup and that's just personnel based right so yeah using those things to your advantage i think is really important obviously you need to know your identity but like the good offensive like this is something that i've, I've been thinking about a lot they're like you know what john john kime asked me this the other day like what are teams holding close to the vest like at this point of the year and yeah it's a great question and it's not even like they're holding anything particularly close to the vest it's like how they're going to do what they do against this team and so what i mean by that is like your offense is in your 10 your 10 days of install are in. But now how are we going to run that same offense against Tampa Bay to put ourselves in the best situation to be so successful? That's personnel. That's formationally. That's concept, obviously, right? And so I think that that's something, again, like your identity kind of has to shift. You, you, the foundation of it's there, obviously, in that 10-day install. But it kind of has to shift to exploit the matchups you see on film. And if you're not doing that, you're not putting yourselves in good situations to win football games. You're just not doing it. You know what I mean? So that is something that I think is a little bit, I don't want to say a criticism, but something that I noticed about Scott and I was always questioning. And I just want to see him kind of push that envelope a little bit and see if we can get some good responses that put defenses in binds 
um, this upcoming weekend against Jacksonville. Can you give us an example of like, let's just take like one play, one play that would be considered. Cause I, I think like people here like install and like on a some oh, yeah. level, like we get what it means, but like, unless you've been in the meetings, it's kind of hard to understand like what a play might look like an in install and like it's basic, most basic, you know, version versus what it looks like in a game plan. Like, can you take one specific yeah. play and then hash it out on how it, how it evolves into a game plan version of a play? So let's take something really simple, like um, like stick, the stick concept, which is usually a three-by-one to one side or the other. Let's say three-by-one right. The tight end, who's the closest receiver, runs a five-yard out. The next guy runs a flat, and the outside guy runs a go. And then the backside receiver has what they call like an, like it's a thunder. So like he can run a go versus press, run a hitch versus off. There's a whole bunch of different iterations of that. So that's like day one basic install. And you've got your X to the left in the isolation got your Y, your F, your Z, right? And so he's got to say, okay, that's day one stick install. The way you'd run that and you'd get to that play versus a team, let's say they play a lot of man-to-man coverage, right? I would come out in 12 personnel. I'd have my tight ends lined up in West slot. So tight ends to the left, the two receivers. So Terry and Jahan to the right. And I would say, all right, this is a very common coverage or, or, um, or formation to get a coverage tell. And are they in man or zone? So that helps the quarterback out. I would say mm-hmm. shift. I would have the tight end go to the right. I'd have the F be the isolated receiver. Because again, like if it's man and I like my matchup there, let's say it's Cole Turner and he's running a thunder route and, and it's getting press coverage on a linebacker. He can run a fade. I'm going to throw that right now. And that's just one example, right? And so then I know pre-snap, I can work the zone side based on the pre-snap alignment of the, of the offense. And then I shift to a formation where I have an advantage versus man-to-man coverage so again like that's just an easy kind of and that would never go in in training camp but that goes in now because like you've something you've seen on film and that's like basic stuff and you can do that with practically any play right let's say terry you want terry in a certain matchup where you want terry off the ball like we can formation it so that terry is the z technically in this look even though he's still classified as the x so that he gets to run the primary route because you want to get your horses the ball. And the Kyle was masterful at that, just kind of rain manning out, finding ways, you know, like it was really interesting being in Atlanta's offense after being up here where Julio's the guy. And they had so many more formations, partially because they just want to get Julio in good situations. And that's all by week. Like, you know, when I was in San Francisco and Kittle started going off, like Kyle would go crazy with formations for the tight end just to get Kittle in the best matchup. And that's all week specific. Yeah, uh, I remember when Jay was here and they did the same kind of stuff with Jordan. I just remember oh, there was yeah. one formation specifically called Hulk, right? And I was like, that's cool. Jordan gets to be Hulk. I want, if I ever play football, I want a cool, I want to be like Flash, Flash <laughs> left. Send me on a go route, coach. Right, right. No, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, so it, it, that that kind of stuff, you know, you talk about like bunches and, and ways to to get guys off of man coverage you know, your splits, like there's all this kind of stuff that you kind of shift around week by week. Um, but I think that's a great example. So I uh, appreciate you, you going into depth on that. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Let's flip the field. Uh, let's go commanders on, or sorry, commanders on defense now. Right. Jacksonville on offense. What stands out to you and, and where did you study? I'm sure you studied some old Philly tape. Um, yeah. You studied some of the coordinator. I'm sure you watched a little bit of Jacksonville themselves and what Trevor Lawrence showed last year. Yeah. So I think the, the cool thing about watching Philly is that you see a lot of carryover, right? You see kind of who the coordinator wants to be. And you also get to see kind of how an offense evolves because they have a new run game coordinator, Phil Rauscher. He used to be the guy here for a while. You know, he's a Bill Callahan disciple. He's all about these gap scheme stuff. And that's not really exactly who uh, Peterson has been in the past, but that's become a bigger feature of this offense moving into this year. You can just tell they want to be that a little bit more. And a little bit of that's personnel. They've got outstanding guards. Brandon Sheriff looked great in the preseason. Their center is a rookie. Looked very good. Their left guard, I don't know who he is, but he's playing very well. So the interior of that group's doing a good job and playing really physical football and creating great movement. Um, and then you look at the tackles. The tackles here are, are the thing that I think 
sticks out, you know, from a personnel standpoint that makes it the most difficult, right? Because they're not very, they're good athletes, but they're not very consistent. And so they obviously have this really nice, strong core on the offensive line, which they've spent a lot of money for. And then these tackles, which by PFF metrics, by the eye test, are not very good at football. That's something different than they had in Philadelphia, right? So how does he change his offense to fit around those pieces? And um, and it's hard to tell in the preseason. They're also holding things close to the vest. But one of the things that stuck out to me is they ran a little bit more RPO with Trevor Lawrence uh, than they did with Carson Wentz because he's familiar with that in college. And I think that's a way to insulate the offensive line, right? So, yeah, I talked about the offensive line. Running back, I think uh, Travis Etienne looks like a good football player. You know, he's a first-round running back, got some talent. Um, yeah, he was, not, he's a versatile not, guy, too. Like, he, he did a lot of different stuff at Clemson. And they didn't really use him as a receiver in the preseason at all. Um, but that's not to say that's something that they're not planning on doing moving forward. I think where their offense really falls down or becomes, you know, kind of less – you know, less optimistic because when you look at the skill guys, they paid all this money for Christian Kirk, who's got a lot of vertical speed and he's kind of being their slot guy. And I think they envision him as kind of like, um, you know, kind of a hype, like a hyper West Welker, a guy who can play inside, outside, create matchups. But I didn't see that necessarily from him in the preseason. That's not to say that he can't do it. Um, then you got Zay Jones, um, Melvin Jones. Melvin Jones had a really nice career in Detroit, but has been yeah, hampered Mar by injury. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, thank you. Has been hampered by injury in Jacksonville. Um, mm. And again, didn't really show up in the preseason. Zay Jones, I like what he did in Oakland, but again, a little bit more of a kind of a flash player as opposed to a consistent player. Um, and so again, like the offense, it's got some talented pieces, some guys that you say, oh, I'd like him if he was the third guy or the fourth guy or this and that. But, you know, on the whole, I think their offensive personnel is not quite as dynamic. Um, you know, another thing, you're talking about Philly compared to Jacksonville now and how that helps. I think there are a lot of crossover concepts with um, with Philly and the commanders. So that bodes well for the defense because mm. it's stuff that they've seen throughout training camp. So that's something that I think is very um, conducive to an effective start for the defense. Uh, again, obviously, it's preseason tape. I'm sure, I'm sure they're still flushing out their identity and what Trevor Lawrence does well. Uh, but I think, you know, that's kind of the offense. And I haven't even talked about Trevor Lawrence yet. But he is a very, very, very dynamic dude. He's fast. Yeah. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got great movement skills. Like, you can see why he was the number one quarterback last year. Like, he has all the yeah. potential in the world. He, he can make every he, throw. He, and, and the, the yeah. mobility piece is, is, I think, you know, like, let's be let's – be, adults about it like he's a white guy with long hair who doesn't look like your traditional running quarterback like he's not michael vick he's not right. you know lamar jackson in body type or if we're being mutt in skin color so it's like yeah. oh white guy who can run wow um and it's like no he can really move and he's he fast. is a guy that you have to be disciplined in your rush lanes uh or he is going to do the thing that so many mobile quarterbacks from like Kurt Cousins level mobility to mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson level mobility have killed this team on over the years. Um, right. No matter who the DC has been, no matter who the personnel has been, just as no matter what the team name has been, it's that third those third down scenarios, uh, especially it seems like when yet the quarterback scrambles and is able to either create something with his arm or pick up a first down with his legs, extend a drive, and and, and next thing you know you're giving up points when you should have had uh, the ball back off a of punt, and so that. 
considering that was a problem in the preseason at times, obviously one of the quarterbacks they struggled that with is Patrick Mahomes, and everybody struggles with that with Patrick Mahomes. Um, it is something worth watching um, as they, you know, have their good moments and their bad moments in the preseason in terms of the pass rush, the discipline, and the things that they're worried about. Um, Lawrence absolutely falls into that category of a guy who can just kill you. Not necessarily going to take off for 70 yards, although, I mean, you lose I mean, one check, he could. Um, but absolutely is the threat to pick up 15 on third and 12 if you turn your back for too long in zone coverage or in man-to-man coverage, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, and I think the thing that stuck out to me is, you know, like I knew he was a good athlete, but watching him like walk away from people is a little unusual because he's very tall. He's like six six. So yeah, you don't expect huge. him to you don't expect him to run that way. And he like, you know, linebackers would be kind of forcing the angle and he'd just eat the angle up and just keep running. So he is deceptively fast. And he um, the classic terminology, deceptively yeah, like, fast. I mean, because like I knew he was fast. Like it's like the same thing with I like, got like it's the same thing with Andrew Lunk. Like you know he's fast, but until mm. you see him running with other because they, they're so big, right? They're just big right. dudes, and you don't yeah. expect them. And their stride length is a little bit longer, right? And the other right. thing that stuck out to me is his movement in the pocket. Like there was a couple times against Pittsburgh where they had free rushers off play action, so his back's to the defense doing the ball fake, and he kind of just peeks over his shoulder and then does like a double stick and gets the guy to miss. And I just was like, that's like, he's like just an impressive athlete, like kind of a basketball player-esque type player. And so, yeah, he, he's got some ability, man. And like, you know, I'm having a, you know, coach's show with Ron tomorrow and I've got some clips of him running. I'm like, you know, what are you guys going to do about this? Just to see what he says. Because I think that it's not so much like he's going to like buy time in the pocket and kind of scramble around like Mahomes. It's like, he's a weapon attacking you vertically through the defense and like against Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, there was a third and 15 or something like that. And he ran for 20 yards. Like, and it wasn't like the coverage was bad or the rush was bad. He just is that kind of athlete. And then yeah. to marry that with a freaking cannon for an arm, man, like he can make any throw you want to make. Now there's a little bit, little bit of Carson Wentz to his game from an accuracy standpoint, like ball gets a little high on him, a little wide, gets a little antsy with his feet sometimes, but I mean, golly, like talk about a guy who's just got everything you want to me he is the key for the defense if you can keep him contained and keep him from like i don't know like becoming you know the first pick from last year like you're okay but if he kind of hits a stride and gets hot like holy cow man you better watch out because there is like like there's enough talent talent. yeah there's enough talent uh, around him too like kirk if you mess around and lose Christian Kirk, like he's a yeah. big play threat. Is he overpaid? Yeah, probably based off of based off of what what he's shown so far. But like he can play. Marvin yeah. Jones, he was awesome good, in Detroit. Yeah. Like Jamal Agnew is is a kick returner type. If he gets in there, like he can obviously make you miss. Um, Zay Jones has had some nice years. Evan Ingram is one of the most hot cold players that you'll ever see. <laughs> um, and but like can be a matchup nightmare and has had production against against Washington over the years. Right. So. Um, and I like that. I mean, we haven't even talked about James Robinson as the backup back. Now he's questionable right now, but right. we'll see. Um, but he's a guy that was considered their best offensive player last year. So um, there's a, there's a lot of interesting talent. Um, and, and I kind of have two questions on that front that I've, I've been thinking about. And, and that is one, are they actually like, there's the kind of this adage that are they better off seeing them earlier in the year versus later? Like, are you better off seeing this team before they have a chance to gel before Peterson and Lawrence have a chance to work together more or is week one kind of scary? Cause you don't know. There's obviously pros and cons <laughs> to both of those things. 
And then the other question I would have that kind of plays into that too is like when you watch Lawrence, how much do you watch him and go, God, this guy's being coached terribly based off what happened last oh. year with with Meyer being there and uh, the uh, dysfunctional circus that was the Jacksonville Jaguars in his rookie year? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't, I should have watched it more acutely for that. I was watching it more just for like, just to get a feel for him. I should have looked at his yeah. reads and stuff a little bit more. But um, I mean, for him to look as good as he did. And again, like he doesn't make all the throws. He has misses. I think his completion percentage is like 60% even through the preseason. But man, like I was, and I watched him in college too. You know, I watched his college tape and I just was like this, I don't know how this is going to translate, but just to see it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's next level. Um, Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I think there is some advantage to seeing this team earlier just because I think they're just going to get better. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to get better. And I think that's the big thing here. As he gets better, this team's going to get way better. The defense is going to be playing better. I think um, even like uh, Trayvon Walker will be getting better as the season goes on. Like right now, like Greg, he's so raw. He's like so incredibly raw. He's just relying on just being like the freakiest freak ever to play the in the NFL, basically, right? And that, that works. He'll probably end up with like eight sacks just doing that, you know, maybe 10, right. which is pretty wild. Um, yeah. but yeah, like he's, he's incredibly raw, like, and, and so he's going to get better. Devin Lloyd's going to get healthy. Um, Robinson's going to get healthy. Like I, I wouldn't want to see this team in a couple. And then the other thing is, uh, Greg Little and uh, Greg Little, Little, the kid from Stanford last year, he's the backup, uh, right tackle. Like he probably mm -hmm. from an Walker athletics, Little. yeah, Walker Little, he probably should be starting for them, but he's growing too. Right. Cause he was coming off of not playing two years of college football. Didn't play a lot last year. Like to me, he's a guy that could be a good right tackle in the NFL. And right now they don't have too good. Uh, they don't have a right tackle that's good or a left tackle that's good. So if he kind of finds his feet here shortly, like that O-line looks drastically different with him inserted kind of playing with more confidence and playing better. So I do think just because the team's young, young and kind of really talented, you know, it's, it's a young, talented team that has a lot of potential, like from a developmental standpoint, I think that's. That's why I would say play them now, you know, like they're going to be a little disconjointed, you know, whatever uncertainty you have about them, like I can deal with that. Cause I don't want to see Trayvon Walker when he's figured out a pass rush. You know what I mean? I don't want to see, <laughs> you know, like uh, Trevor Lawrence when he's perfectly settled into this offense. Like, I don't want to see that. And like, yeah. this is a team that like, I think could sneak you win like eight games. Like by the no, end of the I year, don't like, disagree. If Lawrence and, figure like if it clicks for Lawrence and Peterson is, is as good as, like, do I think Doug Peterson's the best coach in the NFL? No. Do I think he's a above average coach? Yeah, I, frankly, I do. Mm -hmm. And so if he's that, and, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but if Peterson's good and he figures out Lawrence, like, yeah, they're going to win games. And maybe yeah. it, it's they stack them at the end of this year and then they're a threat going into next year. But right. Lawrence is that dude. Um, yeah. So unless they, like, he's the kind of player where if he doesn't work out, you go, why did they mess him up? versus right. like yeah. oh it something it was something with Lawrence. yeah i mean like, it's so funny when i watch him like i just get such a strong andrew luck vibe and andrew luck could literally do whatever he wanted and in some ways that's a detriment to him you know because like he holds on the ball probably a little bit longer than he should he forced he, i mean he tries to make throws and he and the thing about it is he made this throw against pittsburgh that was like don't do that don't make that throw and he like lasered it like very low trajectory right over the defender's hands. And it just fell so softly into the uh, receiver's hands. It was in like this, it was like a high, low cover three kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I thought, don't do that. But like, how do you say don't do it to a guy who just did it and made it look <laughs> right. good? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. 
Like if I was a coach, I'd be like, man, like let's check the ball on there. Like that's like a once in a million throw. But he does it consistently enough that you're like, well, he's gonna like so he gets himself he gets himself in trouble with that stuff, is what I'm saying. So yeah, until he kind of like learns how to like play not relying only on his tools, I think he might it's gonna be like the same thing with Andrew Luck. It took him a couple years to figure it out because he's just so toolsy, you know. He's just got the yeah. biggest arm, he can run, he can do he's a smart guy. So interesting interesting thing there for him, I think. Yeah, there's going to be some of that in week two, by the way, too. Like, I would like to play Aiden Hutchinson before he figures out how to pass rush as well. Uh, the number two pick this year uh, behind Trayvon Walker. Uh, you know, obviously, Goff comfortable, getting more comfortable in year two with Dan Campbell. Like, you know, it's yeah. it's two of the worst teams in the league, but they're still NFL teams with a lot of talent. Uh, and it's going to be interesting first two weeks of the season. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Wrapping up with Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. Uh, so Ron Rivera, we're recording this full transparency with the audience. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon as you listen to it, uh, whether it's Thursday morning or, uh, you know, later on in Thursday, we're recording this about two 15 uh, at this point uh, of the pod on Wednesday afternoons. So Ron Rivera just spoke to the media and here's what we got on the injury front. Logan uh, cam curl did not participate in practice today. Rivera said he was at a doctor's appointment. So they are pushing the, uh, you know, it will he or won't he at the very least until tomorrow. Um, good news on Brian Robinson. We know he's out for this weekend and will be out uh, for a couple of weeks, but he was in the commander's locker room walking without a limp is down to just a bandage around his right leg. So that's obviously great news. But in terms of this weekend, um, you are looking at Cam Sims was back in action uh, today after he had been in the concussion protocol, uh, but not he was limited. So he just really went through warm-ups. Uh, mm-hmm. But Logan Thomas also limited. Cole Turner uh, limited. John Bates was back. Fenary Mathis was back. And Trey Turner were all back. So... Uh, if or sorry, Bates Bates was full, Mathis was full, Thomas and Turner limited, Curl, and technically I guess Sims is a DNP because he he only went through warmups. So mm-hmm. if Sims is out, uh, how comfort com, excuse me, if Sims is out, how comfortable are you with the wide receiver depth, meaning more snaps for Deami Brown and potentially Deami Brown being active behind obviously the the other main guys that Carson will be throwing to. It's interesting, you know, like guys on what day was that? Whatever day, the last day of practice. Like I had talked to a couple guys about, like you know, just how practice went. They're like, man, Diami is getting behind the defense, but the they both they all were like, he's getting behind the defense, but you know, 
if he gets behind the defense three times, he drops two of them, you know? So like there is this thing with Diami where he has this ability to kind of take the top off the defense and he gives you a little bit more dynamic playmaker than, than cam, but cam's just more consistent quite frankly. And so I think that that is something, again, like there's always that, that there's always that ability there. And I like that ability. I want to get on the field more, but if he's not going to make the play, then I would feel more comfortable with cam. And I think the other guy that, might sneak ahead of him just from a consistency standpoint is Dax. Like yeah, Dax has been sure. just uber consistent in camp in preseason. And if I, and if I was betting, like, you know, I had a coach say this to me, like, you know, if the quarterback's my mother, who do I want in there protecting him? And it wasn't always the most talented guy. It was the guy that he trusted the most. And so yeah. right now, if I had, if the quarterback's my mom and you have to run a route to get open, like, I'm going to put Dax in there. Unfortunately, Diami, I'm sorry. I heard your mom you has know? a cannon though. So it's worth, it's worth, <laughs> That deep ball test to, to Diami. No, I right, think that's yeah. that's that's true. And not only that, with the route running in the hands and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the thing that I'm interested about if Cam is out is like, how does that affect the run game too? Like Cam's a guy yeah. they bring in to block a lot. Um, and obviously you don't want it to be like a tell, oh, it, you know, Cam's in, they're definitely running it. But is a guy who is a big part of the run game uh, at times and some of the, the bigger formations they might have uh, to try to, you know, combat that size that Jacksonville has. How does it affect their run game if he's out and whether it's Dax or Diami or extra snaps for one of the other guys right. in there? Or, you know, maybe that's where you get into some three tight end looks, things like that. I was just about to say, I think the other way to go, I mean, obviously you look at the receiver depth and I think the receiver, you feel very good about the receiver group as a whole. You know, for sure. even if for even sure. if Diami's got to play, you feel good about you feel good about him playing football for you. So I don't want to like start an alarm or anything. Dax, if he had to play, I feel fine. Cam, if he had to play, I feel fine. And that's what a good team is. They've got good depth. But if you were having some type of reservation about it, like I think the fact that Cole Turner is getting healthy is an interesting thing there. Because I remember talking to somebody, who was this? And they were like, oh, basically he's like a big wide receiver. And that's true. So maybe you feel like he's your, you know, like kind of like that rotational piece if there is a depth issue at receiver. Because I think he does have some ability now that makes him special and makes him consistent and makes him reliable. I think that stuff's important when evaluating the roster. You know what I mean? Like, hey, maybe I like... Turner as opposed to Diami in this situation. And you have that now because you've got good tight end depth. So, um, and again, you, we mentioned McKissick, like that, that's what good depth gives you is it allows you to overcome these little, these little injuries, these little snafus a little bit more. A guy that I think is maybe, I don't know, most significant in that group is Fedarian. You know, no one's talking about him being out, but him coming back is going to be a big deal. Like I just went back and watched all of Jamin's plays from the preseason and he was in there quite a bit with Fedarian. And Fedarian, like, he just does an excellent job. And he plays hard. He's in. He's where he's supposed to be. He's eating up double teams. He's running to the football with great energy. And I think having that third piece in there, a guy that's going to do his job, elevate the linebackers, and play with great energy is, is, a, is a significant part of this offense. And he might only – or defense. And he might only get 15 plays, 20 plays. But those are going to be impactful plays just because they're spelling Allen, they're spelling pain. And I don't think there's going to be that much of a drop off if he's in the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, Allen and Payne obviously have the the chance to make big plays. I mean, not that yeah. Darian doesn't have a chance, but a much greater chance for uh, Duran and, and John at this point in their careers than Fedarian. But like knowing that the floor does not going to or is not going to fall out from underneath you is huge, um, especially as you've got linebackers who are relying on that uh, to be able to do their job in front of you. Um, the other interesting names on that injury report, uh, the first one of the year, obviously, that we get from Rivera, you know, Logan Thomas being limited, like, what would it mean 
if he's able to play even in a like not a full complement of snaps, I would imagine he's not going to be out there for right. you know 80% of the offensive snaps or whatever like the goal would be for him in the regular season based off rotation, based off formations, all that kind of stuff. Even if he plays 30-40% of the snaps, like what does that do for this offense even though they have really good tight ends behind him, but like Logan's Logan's the one for a reason. Yeah. I think um you know, it's funny. Tight end in this offense is not as impactful as it is in Kansas City or, you know, San Francisco. But it is, is it, it is a weapon that the defense has to respect. And I think Logan, like when you watch him, he does have a very unique skill set, like his ability to kind of contort for the ball and compete in line. Like that's all great stuff. So I do think just having a guy who's been there with some experience is extremely impactful, you know, to everyone's success, the quarterback, the running game. And just kind of can calm everybody down a little bit, you know, because there's going to be one less piece who's going to be out there for the first time. You know, if, if it was Cole Turner's first start, you kind of be like, oh, man, like you don't really know what you're going to get. At least with Logan, there's a sense of calmness, of, of understanding that, like, I've been here before. I know what to do. I can help elevate the offensive line or whatever it may be. So I think that stuff, I think I think it is it is significant. It would be great. Uh, but again, if Bates had to play, you'd feel great about him too, because Bates did an excellent job in Logan's absence last year. So I think um, I think it'd be great if Logan was ready, because I think that's what he wants. I think that was his goal, you know. But if it doesn't happen, like I just want him to have a nice, healthy, long season. So if it takes to get into week two to make that happen, push it to week two. I think there's enough good players here. Again, enough good depth on this roster to kind of make you say, "We're okay. We can survive this." Because you know, we mentioned Bates, we mentioned Cole, but then you got a guy like Armani who did an excellent job yeah. in the preseason, who's going to probably play some snaps for you on offense. So they can survive this injury as, you know, if, even if it was two two more weeks. But I think he'll be ready this week or next. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing, uh, Trey Turner back as a full participant, mm-hmm. but I saw something floating around earlier. It was one of the reporters. I don't remember who it was, so apologies for not giving credit. But they said uh, they'd be surprised at this point if Turner starts over Schweitzer. Uh Thoughts on that based off how they played in the preseason, how what they saw, what you saw in practice. Obviously, Turner was very limited in terms of snaps over the course of the preseason because of the injury and in terms and in, in camp. But I know you're a huge Schweitzer fan based off what he's done on the field. Yeah, I, I am a huge Schweitzer fan. Like, so to me, I'd be like, fine, good, you know, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, because like, I think, I think Wes is he's smart, he's intentful with his practice, it's important to him, he plays with a fantastic sense of physicality which i love in my offensive lineman he's got a little meanness to him he's had an outstanding preseason like if you go back and watch the carolina game he had four knockdowns on pass pro a guy where they kind of slide goes away he's looking for work and is able to rib shot the edge rusher for the tackle or for the center like that is good stuff so he's had a great he's had a great camp and i think in some ways you feel fine about him starting if trey's even a little bit questionable i'm like trey take your time bud because this guy on on some teams the nfl is a starter and for us we have the luxury of having him as kind of our first rotational backup but yeah man i I think that's that's fine i think the area where you're kind of concerned about him is pass pro but i think he's done a better job there throughout the preseason out throughout training camp matching up with guys like Allen, matching up with guys like Payne. he's not winning all the time but at least he's having competitive reps with those guys i think that's again showing a maturation from him and why not reward that a guy who does like literally everything the right way reward it say good job man um, and, and here's your chance to, to prove it for as a starter. Yeah, it's tough. You know, Turner signed here as a veteran, I think, obviously anticipating to start. But these are the decisions that Ron Rivera is paid to make. Obviously, his coaches are paid to make. And so we right. will see 
how that plays out. Uh, and, and it could be temporary, right? Like, like you said, like Turner's just a little bit banged up and it's like, Hey man, take your time to get back to hundred percent. We're going to address you. We know you could play, uh, yeah. but Schweitzer's ready to go. So let's, let's get him out there. Turner, a full participant in practice on Wednesday. Uh, we'll see how he continues to develop throughout the week as he continues to come back from that quad injury. All right. That's it for the pod, uh, this week. The next time you will hear from us is live on the radio. If we mess up, Logan, there's no cover. There's no going back. <laughs> There's no Mad Essek to edit anything out. We will be live 10 a.m. Uh, on Burgundy and Gold Game Day, 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 for Countdown to kick off. That is Sunday and each week throughout this here NFL season. Uh, in terms of podcast scheduling, uh, we will be back next week as usual. Um, we got to take a look at the timing of the press conferences and all that kind of stuff to try to make sure that we get you the best up-to-date pod. Uh, so, Stay tuned. We will have a full, like, regular schedule for the pod next week um, as we kind of get the the lay of the land and how they're going to run things throughout the season. Uh, obviously, with game one in the books, they will have kind of their post-game routine. And so, based off that, we will let you know our post and pre-game routine. But the good news is, if you subscribe to the podcast, and none of that matters because it just is going to come to you whenever it's ready, whenever uh, you you want a podcast. It's just like, bang, right there in your podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google play, wherever it is that you get your pods, the Odyssey app, of course, as well. All right. That's it for the show. Uh, if you want more from Logan as well, Logan underscore Paulson 82 on Instagram, you can get me at Hoffman show on Twitter and, uh, I'll see y'all on the radio and we'll see you Sunday on the radio on Burgundy and Gold Game.